and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Deborah Johnstone, I am so excited to have you as a guest on She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to do it. Thank you for inviting me. This has been a really nice <laughs> surprise. I <laughs> uh, know. It's going to be great. So I want to hear all about you. Can you tell um, all our listeners what are you doing these days and why are you doing it? What am I doing these nice, days? Nice big question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, um, I'm, I'm living in far north Queensland um in Australia Lucky you. yeah yeah I'm in a really lovely <laughs> beachside home so gorgeous and I'm um in my professional life I work as a transformational life business and career coach and most recently have been working as a midlife transition mentor as well mm. Ooh, a midlife transition yeah. mentor. What's yeah. that? So I help women who are entering the midlife phase, which can be anything from probably 40 upwards and yeah. beyond. So even, you know, women past that midlife life phase to help them rediscover who they are, um, yeah. gain clarity on their next direction, feel energized, feel confident and create the next chapter that they want and deserve. Oh, I love it. As a 54-year-old woman, I'm totally behind all of that kind of thing. Okay, so why did you set it up? Was there something that happened or yeah, yeah. What's, what's the reason why? Well, I've had my own coaching practice now, Jules, for um, eight years. So I started in 2012 right. and I started in 2012 in the midlife phase. I was 49 and, yeah. um, and my kids were making those leaving from home noises. So actually my eldest had already, had already flown the nest. He was already down in Brisbane. So but my right. youngest was making the noises too. And I'm kind of like, mm, what I was doing wasn't really doing it for me anymore. You know, I'd been in um, management in small business for quite a long time in different small businesses. So, uh, just one day, it was one of those moments where one day I was cleaning up. It was actually New Year's Eve. I was cleaning, yeah. I was decluttering my inbox on my computer. And I found an email that I tagged probably about two years before, and it was about becoming a life coach. I'm like, hmm. Ah. <laughs> what? Caught your attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was obviously a reason I saved it. And um, within a few months, I enrolled in a two-year uh, two certification. I went through the whole thing, so for diploma, NLP practitioner, the whole thing. Why had it caught your attention, though? Why had you tagged it in the first place, do you think? You know what? At the time, I was working in a medical cosmetic clinic in management practice, and there was right. a beautiful woman in there who, were, who I'm still really close friends with now. And she was a weight management consultant, and right. she just had a, she had a special gift. She's psychic, too. And... Their clients used to go in to see her and they didn't look very happy. You know, they'd go in and see, they didn't look very happy. They'd come out and they looked totally different. They were laughing, enjoying life. I'm thinking, how does she do that? I want to yeah. do that. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it was, it was when I first started studying, it wasn't with the thought of, I'm going to change my career. It was with the thought of, I want to learn how to do that. 
Right. Okay, and was there anything that triggered it, though? Was there, like I call them a light bulb moment, but was there some, other than that tagging, was there some other reason that you were looking to try and do something a bit different from the normal coaching? Mm. Or not. There doesn't have to be. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was a big enough jump for me anyway. Yeah, it's huge. I'd already been... You know, when I started looking at it, I'd, I realized that I'd already been doing that kind of work anyway, probably for years and years and years in all the roles that I've been in. And I was reaching the point where I felt a bit of a barrier because I felt like I wanted to help, but I didn't feel like I had the tools. Yeah, right. I didn't feel like I had the tools. And and I when I saw this, I thought, this is how I'm going to learn how to use the tools, the real tools. Like yeah. I've just been flying by the seat of my pants with this for years and I just was naturally good at it. But but learning how to use the tools made a massive difference. What tools are you talking about? Because I know we're not talking hammers and saws. No, <laughs> <laughs> the tools are, well, you could call it skills. It's, it's, it's learning, to hear, learning to hear behind the words. That, that's one of the right. main skills that you learn as a life coach. You learn to hear behind what people are actually saying. Oh, I love it. So it's really a big dose of psychology yeah, as well, really, I would think. Yeah, it is. Okay, so now I'm going to find out how this has all happened. So can I, you take me back maybe to high school? Oh, and yeah. let's, um, I know, <laughs> it's a good one. But I, so the reason that I do this is that, I think for a lot of women in business who are running their own businesses and also women thinking about it, that they want to know how other people have got to where they've got to. And also that life isn't just a nice smooth little path and we choose what we want to do and it all just falls into place. That often there can be things that happen that make you move in different directions. So um, so that's why I'm asking you. And Start telling yeah. me your story. So I, where did you grow up? Actually, so what happened in school probably, it, well, I, well, I know it's one of the reasons I started the business. Oh, I yeah, great. So I grew up in um, in a city called Leicester in the UK. I know that Leicester. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah, so I was born there and I lived there till I was 25. And I had a lovely upbringing. I had beautiful parents, like really loving parents. They adored each other. Um, and they adored Oh, us. you're so very lucky. Very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky with my and brothers and sisters? Or were you the only child? Yeah, have a brother. A brother. Yeah, have a brother. He's three years younger than me. Um, and so, you know, I started school at the normal age. I remember when I was three years old hiding behind the, one of the chairs in the um, day room, as it was called in those days. Um, right. Hiding behind one of the chairs, not wanting to go to nursery school. So that gives you an idea of how shy I was as a child. Right. <laughs> so um, when I eventually did go to school, I thought, I, I fought like crazy not to go. And um, and it wasn't until we moved, I think this is where it happened, um, it wasn't until we moved, uh, we moved house, mum and dad bought a house and we moved house. So I had to change schools. And I was right. already a, a shy child and changing schools meant I had to go back a year. Right. Oh, yeah. right. Why? Why were you moving? Were you nearby, or were you just struggling at school anyway? So your parents said, "As we're going to a new school, let's 
bring her back a year? What, what, what was the reason? I'm not sure why. I think just the changeover age in that particular school from infants to primary was different. Right. Yeah. Okay. It was different. Only by about six months, but it was different. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was pretty reserved anyway. And then when I got to primary school in that area, I, I was bullied. I was really badly bullied, um, oh. emotionally bullied, not physical, emotionally. Um, and so that, <laughs> so you imagine that a shy child being bullied. <laughs> and, but it's the exact age yeah, for it, isn't it? Really- you know, I was set, I was actually sent to boarding school in grade six and my parents lived in Germany and I went to school in England. And I remember terrible bullying as well Ooh. for no reason right. other than I was a bit different, you know, and, and, I think when I arrived, I said to everyone, some people were saying, what's your name? And I said, my name's Julianne, but you can call me Jan, which was my family name. And it became this thing through the school as I was going past people. They were going, oh, there's Julianne, call me Jan. And it just was awful. I just remember it so well. So, And it's very confronting as well at that age. And girls can be quite bitchy. Oh, nasty, nasty. Yeah. It was, for me, it was about the clothes I wore. They didn't like the clothes I wore because I liked fashionable clothes. They didn't like the clothes I wore. <laughs> they didn't like my arms. Which now yeah. we can look at and say it's jealous because you're absolutely gorgeous and you're obviously fashionable as well. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like my eyes. There was a whole thing about it. Yeah, I was called right. um, So mean. Yeah, really mean. And So how did that affect you? Well, I became even shyer. So I, I went right. through... Um, I always found it easy to build relationships as I grew older, you know, um, but it was always one-on-one relationships. I wasn't a real out-there extrovert or, um, and I was quite timid at trying new things, you know, that sort of thing, although I, I yeah. did emigrate to the other side of the world. That's pretty yeah, yeah, I know. I'm dying to hear how, what made you do that. But, okay, so so you went to this new school. Um, and, and then did you say you moved to Australia when you were 22 or what happened after sort of high school? What happened after high school? I went into retail. So I, I okay. left school when I was 16. I, okay. My Everyone kept telling me I could do better and I should stay on, but I just wanted to leave home. I wanted my own money so I could buy my own clothes and travel. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a pretty good yeah. plan to me. So, so I went into retail. I worked in fashion retail for a while. Right. And um, then I I saw a, a job advertised with British Telecom, which was, you know, a, a great gig to get into at that point. It was like working yeah. corporate. So, good money and secure yeah, job. Yeah, good money, secure <laughs> job, good pension, all that sort of stuff. So, it's still in Leicester, though, or have you moved by that no, stage? In still in Leicester. My whole family was in Leicester, Jules. It's like 200 people in my family. All oh, in right. Yeah. Golly, <laughs> gee, golly gosh, I, your whole family must be, you know, one of the prominent families yeah. there. If, if there were 200 then, there's got to be about 600 oh now. God, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I think we spread far and wide now, though. But back then it was we were one of those families where – you know, um, I know when I was really little, there were quite a number of the same uh, of our family all living in the same street in different houses. Oh, gorgeous. I love that idea. Oh, yeah. I love that like idea. Like a Coronation Street family, you know? Yeah, gorgeous. <laughs> EastEnders. <laughs> so what happened next? So you you have this massive family there. You've worked in retail. What was the next step? 
So next step was British Telecom and, and that's where I started to gain a bit more confidence when I worked there. I had a really great group of friends and some of those friends I'm still friends with now, like 40 years later. So Great. Yeah, um, and that's where I built confidence and then I came to Australia for a holiday. Mm. So this was just part of the I want to travel. I want to travel. Bit of bit. So it was, and I know when I was in living in um, London in the late nineties that it, it was the, Australia's the number one destination. Everyone wants to come over here. So was it more that kind of thing? I'm just going to go for a holiday to where see the kangaroos and the koalas. That's what it was about. Yeah, I want to go for a holiday. <laughs> I don't want to lie on the beach for a month. That's what it was about. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> over there, they like fixated on the beach because there's just you know you go to beach yes. in England and it's either pebbles or it's cold or. Yeah. 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 Well, unless you go to Cornwall, of course, it's a bit different down there, but still cold. Still, cold. <laughs> still yeah. some pebbly yeah. beaches, but not as many. <laughs> so, um, so you came over here on a holiday. How long for? Just a month it was, was it? For about a month, maybe six weeks. I know. I remember saving up all my annual leave to to come over here. Right, so you're still employed at that yeah. stage. You're just taking it as a holiday. Yeah, yeah. Took it as a holiday, and I fell in love with the place. You know, just absolutely loved it, and went home with the thought, "How am I going to go over there to live? How am I going to go over there to live?" And um, right, and luckily you were in England, so you could probably find an Aussie man on every second corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I was with an, an English guy then, and he. Right. To go too. So he had family okay. in Australia. So we were able to, between us, gather together enough points to qualify to get to Australia. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And the rest of your family, what were that? They would have been combined a combination of incredibly jealous and probably awestruck that you were prepared to go to the other side of the world to live. My mum was just devastated. Like, in yeah, bits. she was. Yeah. Um, you can imagine coming from a family that's so close like that, um, devastated. And dad could have bought me over the head because he wanted to come out years before and I was one of the people that I was one of the family that said, no, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave my friends. <laughs> right. So what happened? So you arrived here. So how long did it take you to come over first? Was it a long process? Not really. It, uh, well, I had to study for a while because I didn't have anything that they needed. So I had right. to go and study. So I went to secretarial school. I studied shorthand. Um, so they wanted stenographers back then. So I So what year are we talking about here? Ooh. Well, this would have been I would have been like twenty three maybe. Okay. Yeah, yep. So pretty young yeah. to be doing making this huge yeah. move. Yeah, it was. So what happened? Where did you start off in Australia? I started off um in Port Stevens. Oh, Ooh. Where's Port Stevens? I'm not even sure where Port that is. Port Stevens is, I think it's, is it classed as Central Coast or is it just above Central Coast, New South Wales? Okay. Um, All right. It's where, uh, do you know Nelson Bay? Mm, look, I know the names of some of those places, but I, I've kind of, kind of got, you're sort of north of Newcastle and south of Brizzy and, and Byron, yeah. I guess, up there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I started in uh, Nelson Bay. Um, I'd been doing temp work before I left England and I really loved working in corporate and there was nothing like that available in Nelson Bay. So um, I found a job in Sydney and I was um, 
commuting Monday morning and Friday evening to Sydney and just living. Oh, my giddy up. What kind of a drive was that? It was like. How many hours? Two hours on the train. Oh, okay. I thought it might be more like four or five. Okay. Yeah. So, and how long did you stay there for? I stayed there for not long, actually. I I was doing the commuting just for a couple of months and then I thought, no, don't like this, don't like it, didn't like Sydney. I didn't find the people very friendly. So I um, went and found a a job in property management in Nelson Bay. I've done so many different things. Yeah, have I? That's fantastic. (laughs) I love it. Keep going. (laughs) No, but this is important. This is what people need to understand yeah. that jobs are like this. You yeah. know, you can travel around a lot till you find the thing that you so love. So true. It is so true. Um, and then I um, saw a job advertised as personal assistant to the managing director of a local tour company who used to hire out DC3 aircraft. Right. And I went to work there. I got the job. I went to work there and I fell in love with the boss. I got married. Love it. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Right. I had two beautiful sons. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, still all still all around Port Stephens at that stage? Yeah, I moved to where he was, which was Maitland, which is just on the outskirts of the Hunter Valley. Okay, gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. And and what did you do when you had the children? Did you work? I um, I worked up until the, about, I think it was the day before my first child. <laughs> <laughs> As we all do with the first children, I think. We all go, and then we go, I'll be back in six weeks. No worries, see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> that naivety of not having yeah. any idea what you're getting no yourself into. No idea at all, yeah, no idea. Think, I'm thinking, oh, i still got a week or two before the baby comes. No, next day. <laughs> Do you know, I think that's a phenomenon because I did, I think I gave myself a week or 10 days and mine came like two days afterwards. And someone said to me, if you do work right up to the birth or close to it, when you take your time off, your body goes, great. Okay. Now we can really get into, you know, baby mode. Yeah. And I but did. Anyway, so, I, I did. okay. And so I, you I, I worked right up to the birth. What yeah. happened then? So, um, yeah, I, I had to admit before I had my first child, I, was, I wasn't I was very maternal and I thought, am I going to be able to do this? But, yeah, you're exactly right. My I, my whole body, mind, spirit just went, yeah, I'm a mum now. And it felt so natural. And, yeah. And I had 14 months off and then I went – um, I went back to part-time work and I went to work in a boutique winery. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah, I worked in a boutique winery doing their book work there and doing the um, cellar door off sales. So I did that for a while. I've done a lot of things, hey. Um, so, okay, so now well, let's just wind forward a little bit because there were obviously a whole lot of little jobs. Ooh. How? So talk to me about setting up out on your own. How did that all come oh, about? Oh, that came about. Um, so I, ooh, I, well, I ended up as a single mum. So I did lots and lots of retail jobs while my kids were little. Right. While they were little and lots of different retail Still jobs. Still in the same area with the dad, sort of around the Maitland area no, or you'd moved? We actually moved up to Port Douglas together and then we separated, okay. yeah. Um, and that's where I did all these little jobs so that I could bring in enough income to support my kids and um, and I could have a social life. So that was my social life working. And so I did all these retail jobs. 
once they got older, I went into small business management and that's where I worked um, managing in retail, I managed in medical, I managed in events, um, right. I did a lot of different things. And that's where I came to in the medical cosmetic clinic and I started to study. So um, once I started to study, I realized that I could actually do this for work. I didn't realize I could do it for work until I started to study. And, um, and I realized that I could probably do a great job building the business. However, I was living in Cairns and it was eight years right. ago. And Cairns back then was probably about 10 years behind the rest of the world. Right. So coaching wasn't very much heard of back then. So you really were, the, were sort of a real groundbreaker Ooh, at that stage. Yeah. And it's, t- it's tough actually when you are doing something that people don't know about because there's a huge amount of education that you have to do as what? well. You know, this is why you need me. Yeah, yeah that's right. I had this, I've had the same thing teaching PR. You know, I came out probably 10 years before or well, five years before anyone else really did. And it was the same thing. You're going, you actually need this. This will change your life. And people are going, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> nobody does it like that. Well, nobody does that. Exactly. So how did you get started then? When you finished studying, how did you get those clients? Networking. Networking, right. networking, networking, networking. How many times I stood there and people said, what do you do? I said, I'm a life coach, and they would just be like a blank look on their faces. <laughs> right. No question of what is that because no one wants to appear that they're asking stupid questions. So. Yeah, was, right. yeah. So I'd have to take the initiative and just explain what it was about. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and then how did it grow from there to now? It it it, it's, it was networking up until about ooh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's actually absolutely integral to small business and it sounds like there's a good community up there. Yeah. Um, up north, but you're right. I mean, that's how you make those networks that then start to work for you, but you've got to put a lot of time into it. I know I remember doing three or four years of, you know, every Thursday night, Friday night, you know, all those things you're going to all of the women in business and entrepreneurs networks and whatever um, to try and just make those connections. So slowly but surely it started to build. And it was slow. Yeah, it it was slow. Um, And then I got to about, because I was doing a second job as well. I was bookkeeper because I was a qualified bookkeeper by that stage as well. So did you second guess yourself at any stage and go, oh, my God, what have I done? Like I want to go and get another job so many, <laughs> where I have security. So many times. <laughs> so many right. times. But every time I thought about going to get another job, um, you know, to leave it completely, it was like there was like a it was like a physical block. It was like a no, you can't do this. No, you can't do this. I made this choice. Now this is my path. This is where I'm going. Um, right. And it's been scary at times. Really scary. Well, tell Ooh. me about some of those times. Ooh. Can you give me a couple of examples? Because I do think that at the time it seems like your whole world is falling in or whatever. But you actually look back with the benefit of hindsight and distance and whatever, and go. It was kind of a blessing, or I don't know whether yours were, but can you tell me a couple yeah. of times that were really scary for you? Yeah. I think the scariest points have been over the years have been, you know, that inconsistency of income flow and, that, mm. and having to get used to that. Because when you're, you're, when you're in employment, like 
when you're in employment, you've got the same amount coming in every week, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. you know, it's so <laughs> funny you should say that. I, I've said since I've become an entrepreneur, I would never, I never like doing those direct debits. <laughs> When I worked, I used to go, great, I'll make all the direct debits the day after payday, and then they've all gone out and all the rest of it's mine. As soon as you start working for yourself, you go, I can't because next month there might not be as much as this month. That's right. And that's what it's like. And it doesn't change. Like even when your business gets bigger, okay, you you don't have as many of those times where you don't have enough money, but it's still inconsistent even when your business gets bigger. Like, you know, some days, yeah. some months are lower, some months are higher. And then on top of that, you've got the people who pay well and the people who drag it out and drag it out so that, you know, you've been thinking, okay, great, I'm going to have, you know, 10 grand or whatever come through this month. Five of it's coming from someone who's going to just drag their heels and not pay yeah. you maybe for two yeah. months. It just stuffs everything yeah. up. Yeah, it does. It does. And you know what I've learned about this, and this isn't easy to do. What I've learned about this is is the importance of letting go, Jules. It's kind of because when we when we concern or when we worried about money, we tighten up inside, don't we? We get all tight yeah. inside. But what I've learned is when I when I let go, it starts to flow. And we know this. We read about yeah. it. We hear about it. But practicing it is a whole different story. It is. And I always used to say to friends that having your own business, you've got to have nerves of steel just around that finance. Mm, mm. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You really do. It's that's the same nerves that you need to have when you do stock trading. It's the same thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so have there been any other times that you want to share where things got a bit scary and, and it's ended up being a benefit in hindsight? Yeah. When I burned out. So I, uh, so my, the first, oh yeah, first couple of years, I had a second job. I was I was bookkeeping part time, three days a week to start with, and I burned out because I was working seven days a week trying to keep up with everything. Because you know, when you're starting starting out in business, there's huge amounts of marketing to do, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah massive. massive. So um, I burned out, and at the time, it's like, oh my god, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. <laughs> Uh, well, isn't I know that's well. That's exactly right. But how did the burnout kind of manifest manifest itself? How did you know that you needed to make a change? Um, how did I know I needed to make a change? Well, I knew that it was trying to do too many things. It was not allowing time for the things that were important to me. Um, yeah. It was feeling stressed and anxious that causes the burnout. That caused the burnout, right? And you could feel it coming. Yeah, I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue. So um, right, yeah. and and it happened just when menopause started. Yay! <laughs> oh, beautiful. Well, that's the beautiful thing about menopause, yeah. isn't it? Just the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you do? What did you do? Did you take a year off, or, or I mean, how do you do it when you got kids as well? Yeah. Well, by that stage, they were grown up. They. they Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I did I you was, did you pick up the phone and say, "Guess what, mum's mum's now burned out. It's your turn to yeah. support me for the next year while I recover." <laughs> no, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Luckily, and I, I would I would encourage all business owners to do this. Luckily, I had backed myself up with income protection. So that was yeah. a really, really smart move. Um, 
and I had that support while I went through recovery. But it, um, but during recovery, what I learned was how long, how long was did it all take? Full recovery, probably five years. Yeah, probably five years. But recovery to the point where I could go back to full time work was twelve months. Yeah. Still, it's a, it's big, isn't it's it? It's big, and I was working part time. I didn't take time off completely. I was working part time. Um, yeah. But what I learned in that was again the importance of letting go, the importance of not just exercise and eating healthy, which is something that I'd always been doing anyway. The importance of the internal self care, the importance of the self care of of allowing space for the things that were important to me, like family, friends, all the things that family hadn't been present with them, you know, friends popping them off because telling them I didn't have time, all that sort of stuff. When I started to allow time and space for that and started to plan out my day more effectively, because I was one of those behaviour styles that likes to jump, 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 jump from one thing to another, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hello, I know that. <laughs> Bit of ADHD yeah. without it being formally diagnosed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I learned how to structure myself, you know, like you know how we're structured when we're in a job, when we're in employment, yep. when I learned how to do that, that's when I created the Your Success Planner as well because I, I actually created it for myself first. Well, hang on a minute. You haven't even mentioned that. What's the Your Success Plan? That is um, a full-year planner that's broken into daily amounts. So it's really based on the based on giving yourself a structure to follow, setting your goals, chunking them down, 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 90 days, monthly, daily, week, weekly, daily, so that you've actually got a structure to follow. Um, once I learned how to do that and I started allowing time for me, the things that were important to me when I started to nurture my spirit, which was really important, that was when the blessing came because it taught me how to achieve more in less time. Yes. Now, that is a magical trick everyone would yeah, like to know, I think. Mm. Right. So you created this. This is a – is it a digital thing or is it a, a by a, like a blotter type thing that you have on your desk or, or what is it – how does it work? Yeah. So that's what it called. Now re- remember we're yeah. on ra- remember we're on radio basically so people can't see. So it's a big spiral bound book and each page is a day is yeah. that how it works? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Um no, each each page has well it's it's each double page has a full week spread on it. So okay. Yeah, you can break things down into 30 minute slots. Um and it is, yeah, Sparrowbine book. The reason I do that and I don't make it electronic is there's a certain process that happens with the brain when we write things by yeah. hand, yeah. It yeah. helps us, uh, it, it triggers the part of our brain that's responsible for planning and movement and that's what we want. And it kind of embeds it anyway. For me, I, I mean, I always said that to my boys when they're doing their exams. I'm like, for me to study, I, I'd have to write it down. Yeah. And then I could remember myself writing it. I could almost see it on the page. Yeah. But, it, you know, when you type things out, it's completely different and then print it out. It just doesn't go in in the same way. No, it doesn't. Absolutely doesn't. And I'm the same. If I've written it down, I can see it. Yeah, I don't, don't yeah. have to read it anymore. Mm. 
Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so these days you're doing you're a transformational life coach and you've got the the planner. Are they the sort of main things that you do? Yeah, I've got the planner. I've got um, I work with people one on one, and I've just earlier this year I released a new group program for midlife women and beyond called Her Rediscovery as well, and that's what. Oh, fantastic! Mm. And was that a, a gift from COVID? Well, I guess you weren't locked down up there, really, were you? Um, no, we're only lo- locked down for a little while. No, we've had seven months in Melbourne with only three weeks I know. out. It was unbelievable. I know. <laughs> I, I don't know how you guys did it. I know some of my clients are in Melbourne, and and it was tough. It, look, it was sort of weird, and it was great at the same time, depending on you know how you were. I was I was blessed because I'd work from home anyway, but you know it, it just made everyone slow right down, like right down. You had no option. Wow. And and that's got to be a good thing in a lot of ways as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, we went into lockdown for four weeks. Actually, I think it was four weeks, and I was in for two weeks longer because I'd been speaking at an event in the Gold Coast in March. Right. And I put myself into isolation when I came back. So that made my yeah. lockdown longer. But it does. It, it it's a it's a really great opportunity to sit down and re- reflect on. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or in my case, bubble up with new ideas and just exhaust yourself by starting a whole new thing. But anyway, <laughs> look, it, no, it, it was an interesting year. All right, so now I'm going to ask you about, just because this is for women and it's about women, are there any women that have really helped you in your career that you want to do a little shout-out and tell us how they helped you? Or have you not had women particularly be particularly supportive? Uh, no, I've had women... Um, I don't think anyone has been not supportive. Um, the first person oh, I'd like great. to shout out is Joe Attles. So Joe Attles is an, an, a three time, three times author, four times author. Um, wow. Yeah, and that was the lady in the medical cosmetic clinic, the weight loss consultant. Oh, right. Yeah. Fantastic. Now a life coach, a, an, an intuitive life coach. So, yeah. Well, Amazing. Shout out to her because she gave me a lot of marketing suggestions when I first started out and it really really helped me we did a we did about four workshops together and she helped me gain my confidence in that arena yeah because of course I forget that you were very shy you know growing up because you don't come across it right now (laughs) maybe quieter and thoughtful but um yeah um any other women that particularly stand out in your career yeah uh, there's lots you know all I know, oh I know. I'm just wondering if there's any, yeah. but any special ones that, you know, really helped you achieve something. Was there any woman supporting you through the burnout period, for instance? Yeah, my doctor. Yeah, my right. doctor was amazing and still is. Um, um, Kathma Ross, amazing doctor with burnout, hormones. She's amazing and quite alternative thinking as well. Um, and my naturopath, Nari Banks was okay, as cool. well she managed all the supplements which there are heaps of them um lots uh, and brought you back to life basically yeah. at a time when you must have been so were there any in during the course of building up your um your entrepreneurial career as in your sort of working for yourself career have there been any particular pivotal moments something that happened that you know, I guess we've touched on it a bit. I just wondered if there's any others around any successes or challenges that kind of changed the direction of, of the way you thought or the way you ran business. Yes, yes. 
probably the biggest one was last year um, when my dad passed away. So my dad passed away last year. It was really tough, Um, really tough. Did did you make it back in time? Did you go back to Leicester? My parents moved over here when my first child was born and my mum passed away from breast cancer when um, when she was only 51. Oh no! Yeah, that, and then Dad passed away last year. He lived just across the road, so it was a it was it happened really suddenly. So big hole in your life when it's someone's massive. that close to you. Oh, I'm so sorry and to hear that. That that was massive, massive. Um, and I fell in a pit. You know, I lost motivation for everything. It's probably the darkest, probably the darkest moment in my life, actually. Uh, oh, dear. Yeah. So, um, but he gave me a gift, you know, and and about six months before he passed away, maybe longer, I'd been receiving a bit of an intuitive nudge and I'd been ignoring it. I'd been just pushing it away, thinking, no, no, I'm not going to do that because that will mean I'm starting from scratch. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, And so I ignored it. But when he passed away, I lost a sense of who I was. I lost direction. I lost motivation. I lost confidence. And and the only thing that, that was tugging at me was that thing that I'd been getting a nudge about. And it was like this little guiding light and I I started to listen to it but I needed to explore more. So I did a lot of exploration into who I was, what it is that really lights me up from the inside, what I'm passionate about, what I value, went through a whole process. And when I did that, I realised that this is what I'm meant to be doing. And so I started doing it and I started building a community for midlife women. That's when it started. I love your focus on midlife because I do think it's just an area that gets pretty much ignored, Mm. I think, in in terms of, you know, there's a lot of focus on young people. There's a lot of focus on the aged. There's there's not a lot of focus on us women, particularly at that age where often the kids are, well, in my case, I'm 54 and I've still got (laughs) 14-year-olds. But for most people, you know, the kids are flying the nest. And there's that whole lack of direction. And and the other thing is that at this age, a lot of us are losing parents. Yes, that's true. And that is very, you know, as you say, it just makes you kind of go, where am I in the world if I'm not so-and-so's daughter? They're not here anymore. It is. It's that question, who am I? It really yeah. gets that point. It's like, well, who am I if that's not what I am anymore? It's kind of who needs me? No one, you know, it's just. That's yeah. right. It's that I want to be needed. Yeah, so right. <laughs> so how did you sort of find purpose again? So that's how I did it. it. It was, you know, doing that exploration, that self-exploration and following that intuitive nudge, actually listening to my intuition, which I hadn't been very good up up until that point. Yeah, I'd been, you know, very much in my head. So, um, so listening to my intuition was a little bit out of the comfort zone for me because it just meant all I could see was the first step. So, and which is what happens with intuition, right? That's really interesting. And no one's ever said that to me, but you're right. You can only just really kind of see the first step. 
But I'm so glad you took it. And I'm sure that there are women who will be listening to this going, oh, my God, I need to go and talk to her <laughs> because it is a time when we need support. So talk to me about your life these days, particularly having gone through your burnout. Mm-hmm. How are you juggling work and life? Do you, um, because it's such a passion, mm-hmm. have you got set hours or are you kind of like doing it ad hoc? I'm just wondering, do you give yourself a lot of time to rest? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I have nanny naps in the in, at lunchtime. Oh, awesome! <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> nanny naps at lunchtime. I have a lot of self care, so I do. Um, I'm actually almost, almost. Well, I certify as a yoga teacher trainer in March next year. So, oh, congratulations! I do a lot of yoga, a lot of yoga, right. a lot of meditation, mantra singing. Um, deep breathing. I do lots of internal stuff and I also exercise, eat healthy, that sort of thing. But yeah, I'm very aware of my hours. And you know, when you work with people around the globe that, you know, sometimes you do have to work kind of strange hours. It's, yeah. Yes. Like I did a webinar at six o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, but, but I'm very aware yes. of when I start, how many hours I'm doing. So I structure my days or I give myself an extra day off during the week or an extra two days off to make up for that. So every week's different. So what sort of hours are you trying to do per day though? I probably do around about seven hours a day. Oh, that's still, Mm. that's a pretty hefty Mm. amount anyway. Well, that's, no, that's really good. There was a moment with the She's the Boss lunches, um, Earlier, sort of soon after the pandemic, I started doing these online lunches for women as part of She's the Boss. And um, there was one lunch where I think there were probably 16 women there and about five or six of them all, one after another, announced that they'd had burnout and how it had completely changed their lives. And I remember it was just a really big moment for me to go, whoa, so talking about doing too much work actually is not just talk, it really could stop you, derail your career. I mean, in some cases with these women, they had to move into a completely different career. Yeah. 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 So it's really important. Yeah. I mean, that's why, that's when I gave up my side gig um, because I just knew I couldn't juggle both. Yeah. Yeah. And funnily enough, when you do give up the side gig and you just focus on the one entity, I actually think it becomes far more successful anyway. Just because you're giving it that love that it probably needed all That's along. Right. Okay, so here comes my silly question that I always like to ask everyone. A journalist suggested I ask this, and I always get fascinating answers. So, is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't oh. know that you'd be up for sharing? A quirky fact. Mm. Mm. And it can be anything. Oh. Um. Oh, it doesn't have to be anything at all. But, I mean, you know, I've had one woman said, I'm scared of balloons. Had somebody else say, you know, it was the first, I had one of the women was the first woman in the big, uh, the first, Graham Norton's first big red chair. Ah, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, I used to live on a canal boat in the UK before I moved to Australia. Did you? Now, that's a great fact. Whereabouts? <laughs> on a barge? Yeah, on a barge in Leicester. Yeah. Well, How amazing. How long I for? Lived there, I lived on it for a year and it was a great lifestyle because every weekend we just pull up anchor and off we go for the weekend. And we I love it. Pub. Yeah. <laughs> I used to see them in London. People live on the on the Thames and in that area, Little Venice. 
and around Camden and things on on barges. And I used to go, oh my god, I'm so jealous because they're quite big, generous boats. Mm. I mean, it's not like living in a tiny scrunched up one. You've got a, quite a bit of space yeah, in there. Yeah, you? it's nice. We did it. We we gutted it and we um. <coughs> oh my god! Did you? Yeah. So we had like. You know, a proper double bed in there. We had a wood burning stove with a couch and a TV, kitchen. We had oh, our own gorgeous. It's nice. yeah. What's it like when it's pouring with oh, rain and windy, though? Awful. It's worse when it's snowing. So, you know, I can't count the amount of times I got snowed in because the doors open outwards. And if, right. If been, and obviously, <laughs> you've got to keep them shut. <laughs> and if, the, if there'd been a big downfall, There'd be a big bank of snow against the doors and we wouldn't be able to get them open. <laughs> so what do you do? Hairdryer hair dryer in the yeah. gap trying to get it to melt. <laughs> yeah. I know one of my funniest experiences in England was um, one night, I think I'd only been there, I don't know, I had a company car anyway, and I remember I'd been to visit a friend and I came out at night and it looked like, which you wouldn't even remember probably for now you're up in Cairns, but we get it in Melbourne, that thin sheet of ice that goes over the windscreen. And I remember thinking, so in Melbourne, what I would normally do is put the squirters on and then it just kind of melts the ice and it disappears. So I put the squirters on and it just put another sheet of ice on it. And then I put the squirters, it took me about three times before I went, oh my God, I'm going to have to chisel this off if I'm not careful. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 a different way of it's living. That's so for sure. Different. I know that we always used to have to make sure that we had a, a really good amount of water in our tank when the cold weather was coming, because if you run out of water and there's because the the river quite often iced over, we'd have to get the barge pole out and crack the ice to get to the <laughs> tank of water. <laughs> what a great story, though. I mean, these are great stories for anyone who's listening. Okay, so my last couple of questions are really purely because I'm obsessed with my phone and apps and I love them myself. So I ask people now, a lot of women say they don't, they don't do stuff on their phones. I get it, but I ask everyone. So are there a couple of useful apps that you use for business on your phone? And I'm not you're not allowed to say email or banks because I'm assuming those are, I'm looking for something you know, a different kind of app. For business, using them for business. Do you use that? You're not really, I mean, you don't have to be. Some people aren't big on the phone. I do everything on my phone from social media to booking movie tickets to everything. Uh, it's only really <laughs> social media and Google my business. I've got that on my phone. Yeah, no, that's good. And what about per fun? Do you do any, have you got, I mean, what about for meditation, yoga? Have you got any of those kind of apps? No, I do silence meditation, but um, you know what? <laughs> this sounds a bit boring, doesn't it? Um, I've no. got my realestate.com app. I love that. Like, Oh, my God, I was talking about that with someone yesterday and they were saying, um, oh, my family's been in real estate. So she said, I, I know it sounds really weird, but I just love looking at it. And I went, are you kidding? I've got real estate and domain on mine. It's like soft porn. I just love going through it and imagining what it would be like and also getting decorating ideas and That's all that right. kind of thing. <laughs> It's always fun to have a little look. Well, listen, Deb, thank you so, so much for this interview. It's been great to hear your story. If anyone wants to get hold of you, what's the best way? Uh, probably via email or on my website. So my email is success, S-U-C-C-E-S-S, at yep. debjohnston.com.au. So it's Deb, D-E-B, J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N-E.com.au. Yeah. 
All right. Brilliant. Well, thank you very, very much for your time. And I'm sure that a lot of people will be inspired by your story. So thanks. Yeah, thanks so much, Jules. It's been a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.